Hi, y'all. Wanted to mention up top that we discuss spoilers for Xenoblade Chronicles 1, and I we know that uh, 3 just came out. Uh, so if that is something that you are sensitive to, you can go ahead and check the description for this episode. There should be timestamps in order to skip both times that that comes up. Also wanted to mention that there's a bit of a content warning for Suicide by Handgun that we discuss as well. That's it. Enjoy the episode. This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons whose names I'm not going to say this week because I'm really tired and my other monitor is off. If you want to be like those people, pretend I said your name. If you're <laughs> one of them, you can go to our Patreon at pitchtrout.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just really it lazier appreciate it, but time. I cannot be asked. I cannot be asked. I'm tired. Fuck off. But I extremely appreciate you. Uh, th- th- this is the energy. Like, and this is how you're going to finish right before you take off for a season, Chris. Hell like, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Chris has senioritis. That's right. Yeah, seriously. You're listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, episode 18 or 19. We're not sure. Again, monitor still off. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. With me is... Sybil Arnett, she, her. Ryan Beatty, they, them. Matt Marcus, he, him. Last time we talked about the ending of Zito Saga 3 and how we felt about the whole thing. In this episode, it's what really... Sybil's going to tell us what really happened. What was the plot in order? And then maybe we'll have some discussion about um, a bunch of the cool shit that was in the database that didn't make it into the game, such as the metaphysics of the entire thing that make Wilhelm not suck a lot of ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in one of the first notes because we don't really have a time for when some of this happens. So there's a lot of question marks at the start. Well, uh, question, question, question. Uh, Paradise Lost took place. Wilhelm was born. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the first two entries on here are the Big Bang occurs, creating the universe. Wilhelm becomes the guardian of the universe's lower domain. So that's where we're going to start. When does that town get created? Do we get Do we find out when the meteor hit the town that made the lake that the Zohar was in? Uh, that's somewhere between 7 to 2 BC when Jesus Christ is born. <laughs> and then... Wait, so, wait, he was, the, he was around before the Zohar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or well, he meteor. was around simultaneously with the Zohar. The Zohar has existed. There's not really a uh-huh. meteor, Matt. I was okay. making a joke about the Lake Turkana thing. <laughs> okay, okay. So... We know that Jesus existed, and so his life is the first thing we mention in the Anno Domini era. Somewhere in here, there are claims that Ormus already existed before he was crucified, according to Sergius the Seventeenth, 
and Jesus gives Yeshua, his miracle worker and the human incarnation of Anima, a spoken copy of Lemegeton. So, then there's the big one. AD 30 to 33, Jesus is crucified. The maiden of Rip. Mary Magdalene, a.k.a. Shion's <laughs> original incarnation, dies. Yeshua leaves like everyone, we got him. <laughs> Yeshua leaves Mary Magdalene, wanders off into the wilderness, and changes his name to Chaos. Mary Magdalene, who is the human incarnation of Animus, not Anima, dies while splitting Yeshua's power of Anima in half to create the Twelve Vessels. You know, and the, the punctuation host- makes a lot more sense when we find out he changed his name before they invented capitalization. It's true. We had to start mm-hmm, retroactively mm-hmm. adding it to names like Mary Magdalene later. Just because they looked so weird when they're that long and that lowercase. So, so, like, okay, is there, like, a reason why they went with the 12 tribes of Israel and not, like, the 12 apostles? Because um, there were Jews around and not Christians yet. Right, right. but, like, well, Jesus just died and then they split chaos into whatever 12 pieces okay but how many of the apostles did you see when he was giving the speech not enough <laughs> there were definitely like maybe 14 people there didn't the so my theory is that for as like trenchant and you know surprisingly on point and uh, detail oriented as some of the philosophy and religion stuff is compared to like most other JRPGs, he's still mixing, like, or they, the writers are still mixing Kabbalah and Christianity because they think both are cool and they're kind of, you know, just like interchanging yeah. between the two where they want. Yeah. No, you would, it would, would have been incredible if there was like a secret, like surviving 13th vessel of Anima. Mm-hmm. Like we were going, like bringing in like Mormonism into this shit too. Not just Mormonism. Also, there is a group of weird people in Ireland who believe that the that the Black mm. Irish, the true Celts, are the lost thirteenth tribe of Israel. What Xenosaga really needed were some hoteps. <laughs> <laughs> they only have one uh. prominent black guy in the whole cast. <laughs> Imagine if Helmer was a fucking hotep. <laughs> That would have been wild. Fucking. But, but, no, no, no. Like. Yeah, Helmer, stop. I'm just trying to go to the downtown McDonald's. He would call Shion a Jezebel for being a white person. (laughs) Can you imagine? I mean, like, you would think. You would think that that Helmer would be obsessed with going back to Lost Jerusalem, right? (laughs) Like, wouldn't that be a thing? That's where God, Orm is. We're on a fucking tightrope right now. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining Helmer doing some five percenter shit right now, and this is sending me. Fucking hell yes. Helmer with an Osiris tattoo. Helmer in a dashiki. Yeah. Uh, kneeling in front of the court. There we go. He's just kneeling as the gnosis. Yes. yes! <laughs> okay. Okay. I think I have an episode art for this one already. I'm sure if I can be... make this work and not make it seem horribly racist. Yeah, I'm, gonna say, I'm sure this will be very sensitive. 
<laughs> you just got to put Helber right next to Nancy Pelosi. Mm-mm. Uh, well, so we were officially derailed into Africa. chaos. <laughs> so, uh, the apostles tossed Mary Magdalene's body and the vessels of Anima in Rennes-le-Chateau, and then we cut forward to AD 20 X. Uh, Dr. Light is chilling, there are tiny robot <laughs> boys, everyone is happy, mm-hmm. and Vector mm-hmm. Industries funds mm-hmm. an archaeological expedition at Lake Turkana, Kenya, with Dr. T. Masuda and his team. They unearth the Zohar, which is also found with a written copy of Lemageddon, and the Compass of Order and Chaos. We then transfer the Zohar to Vector's labs in Toronto, Canada, where various experiments are performed on it. Everyone just started shaking their head when I said Vector is Canadian. Yeah, I know. It doesn't seem very Canadian to me. Look, we're going to cause the destruction of the human race, but we're very sorry about it. <laughs> no, no, they're mm. very sorry Can about it. Can you imagine it. Wilhelm apologizing for anything? No. <sighs> mm, that would Maybe be in the way that I do. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm just the best, you know? So... Some other unknown year in here, uh, it is just referred to as 2XXX, Vector Industry Scientist Grimoire Verum deciphers Lemageddon and creates Program Lemageddon, which allowed a way to harness the energy hidden inside the Zohar. Grimoire uses this to perform a link experiment between the Zohar and his daughter, Nephilim Verum. Instead of activating it, Nephilim then vanishes. So, you know, your code is really, really efficient. Good job. A plus. Two XXX is also the H game version of the Mega Man roguelike. <laughs> I think nice. that's actually what they called the sequel. You know, oh, that's too bad. I believe it was thirty thirty XX. Oh, that's that's better. That's very funny. A little better. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay, so didn't Wilhelm say that? Lemageton was like the words of God, right? Like this is yeah. what Jesus was. Yeah, Jesus', Jesus was actual preaching text. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, his actual text was in like apparently C plus plus or something. So like, <laughs> does that mean that when Vector discovers or like Rumor Vice gets this code that was given to him by Wilhelm or like allowed to be discovered by Wilhelm? Like, how does that work? Like, how does? Like, I assume Wilhelm's been holding on to it somewhere. So I don't know if we have a clear answer on that, because he claims mm-hmm. that he bastardized it and turned it into what's kicking around in the future. Right. But also, we know that there is the program and the code, which mm-hmm. Grimoire created, which causes so many <laughs> issues when Yuli's going, that's Lemageddon. Yeah. Unknown. Unknown how yeah. much of the Lemageddon in the future is actually the true words of God versus Wilhelm's sabotaged yeah. version. Because, like, I can mm. just imagine somebody, like, at, like, oh, there's a Bible study group and they accidentally just make the whole planet disappear just because they're <laughs> reading it. It's, like, it's kind of silly. <laughs> the, the, well, the Bible study the, group no one could actually... Lemageddon is just, like, a tech conference. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Ellison uh, there has is something a... to do with this. <laughs> 
There is a military intelligence ball happening at the same hotel that we're all staying oh my God. in. And it was so fucking spooky to see all these kids, like, you know, all these people in their early 20s in, like, full dress gear and be like, oh, I'm, like, 10 years older than a lot of these kids. And then see, like, welcome, military intelligence ball. And I was like, oh, Jesus, these are all, like, this is Spook Academy. I'm This is the formal dance for the Spook Academy. I hate this. It would be better if it was a if it was a weird like you know ancient alien plus Bible study camp. <laughs> well, just remember, uh, if you ever say the words Epstein Foundation around them, just say it's a JRPG thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, did I? I mean, not that this is like a too much of a diversion, but did I tell you that I I might have accidentally joined like a Bible book group? in college briefly how did how on accident no i've done that uh i'm trying to remember the name of the author um it's florence something um who was the author that's like southern gothic uh oh god what is the name of hold up one sec let me google this while you're googling this i just have to like something that I'm having trouble with the longer I sit away from Xenosaga is how um, a lot of the proper nouns just end up being superpower MacGuffins. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the vessels of Anima are and Anima itself are like, you know, embodied in a consciousness, but it's a superpower. Uh, Let me get on the, the oh, words of God. Also they, literal super space power. Right. <laughs> and then, yeah, let me get on the words of God. It's like it's it's the the code that you can use to reshape the universe as you wish. But that's also just a superpower MacGuffin at the end of the day. Like, you know, it's there's yeah. it's there are a lot of proper nouns that do mean a specific thing. And it's cool that they mean a specific thing. But at the end of the day, it, it is it is very um like anime powers, I guess. Yeah, there's not a lot of like thematic weight to the vessels of anima being mm-hmm. split and all that like it's just a yeah collect the macguffins or well use them as robots i guess uh I, I was thinking flannery o'connor by the way yeah like i joined uh a group that is like they were reading in like the library and i'm like oh what are you guys talking about they're like oh yeah we're talking about this uh you know flannery o'connor short stories i'm like oh that's cool i read those those are great can i join and i realized later like these people are slightly more christian than i originally <laughs> anticipated and like it took me to like i think the second book that we covered to be like oh yeah this is feeling a little weird huh man that's weird because a lot of flannery o'connor's stories are about calling out the hypocrisy of southern christians and being like y'all are amoral too oh yeah yeah like this wasn't like all on front street but then again you know i went to school in virginia like you know Mm. you got Mm. some christians kicking around like we're not far from liberty so the experiment that disappeared nephilim continued up until they turned on the zohar which led to a planet-wide matter shift and earth began disappearing so The survivors that would become the immigrant fleet leave Earth using a ship called Pleroma, built by Vector Industries, and they take a bunch of records of Earth, the vessels of Anima, and Zarathustra. Wilhelm was able to get the vessels onto that ship, but due to unknown reasons, we have no clue why he didn't take Mary's body. I 
did not make the connection that Nephilim is responsible for the disappearing phenomenon. Uh, Grimoire is, because he didn't well, stop the experiment after his kid effing vanished. Right. Okay. Look, formula's expensive, I get it. <laughs> I mean, she was already comatose by that point. New interesting take, you don't feed comatose people, got it. Actually, no, you don't yeah. feed them formula, Chris. You don't, like, inject formula into their arm. No, no, the instant, I, the instant I said it, I realized, wait, that would make her more formula-bound. So, he's got me. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> just dropping parenting knowledge on us right now. I'm taking. By notes. the way, the fucking first sentence. This is just Wikipedia said it best. Dot text, but I love how dumb this sounds. Uh, Wikipedia entry for Nephilim. Very first sentence: The Nephilim are mysterious beings or people in the Hebrew Bible who are large and strong. End sentence. I love how many things in the Bible are large and strong. <laughs> <laughs> Like, legitimately, that's just a regular descriptor. Large mm -hmm. and strong, small and strong, tall and strong. It's fun. You basically just imagine that all sorts of daddies are running around the ancient earth, and, you know, that's how God did it. Yeah, it, the Bible is also Dragon Ball. Chris, you're the expert. Weigh in. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Chris only did Dragon Ball Z. He doesn't care about Dragon yeah. Ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Miss me with that Old Testament shit. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> that's, that's what that's what the, that's what the exodus out of Egypt was, right? It was the journey to the West, Dirk. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, like. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's go with that. So in order to keep this disappearance from spreading to the entire universe, Wilhelm seals Earth away. He's so bad at his job that he can't. Stop this, which will happen eventually, we notice, because when Lost Jerusalem comes back, everything doesn't dissolve. Whatever. Wilhelm had an off day. So, AD 2510, the TC or Transcend Christ uh, <laughs> scheduling of the years is adopted. I think that is God. the single ballsiest, like, two-word phrase in the entire Xenosaga series. Is like, yeah, our new era transcends Christ. Fucking! No, I just want that on a T-shirt. Just says "Transcend Christ," <laughs> and like, see how people react to it. We've already attacked and dethroned God. Let's get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. JRPGs no longer about killing God. Now about just being beyond God. <laughs> that that was SMT five. Yeah. Mm. Okay, mild diversion. The other day when I was walking, yesterday, when I was walking to Friday Night Magic, there's a church, and they just have, like, a, a Bible quote on it. But apparently they didn't have any black apostrophes, so they had, like, a little red one. And I'm just thinking about, like, the KJV, where they get really, really pedantic about Christ actually used this contraction. Don't worry about it. And I've been thinking about that for an entire day now. There are no <laughs> contractions in Hebrew or Aramaic. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Cause like the thing that looks like the thing that looks like an apostrophe is actually a letter. It's actually a letter, guys. No, it is that. not. Ugh. Yeah, it's not an apostrophe. Look, okay. I'm a weeb. I understand what happens when you put the apostrophe over the character. <laughs> so like 
this is clearly supposed to be a a callback, if you will, uh, to the book of Exodus, right? It's, you know, it's like a group of people forced to leave their promised land, then spend the next several centuries trying to get back there. But like, you know, the book of Exodus has a lot of like geopolitical implications that Xenosaga just does not give a shit about. It's just like, no, 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 no. It was, it was, it was an evil guy who was, fucking around in a higher realm and did some experiments it's there's there's no um you know oppressive otherworldly force chasing us out or enslaving us it's just uh metaphysics shit so hilariously to follow that the next part we're going to describe is four thousand years of yada yada where we don't have any dates right <laughs> mm-hmm. gotcha so this is like you know Legend of the Galactic Heroes, they're leaving Earth, and then like, oh yeah, several generations later, or centuries later. Mm-hmm. So, over this unknown period of the next 4,000 years, they start calling Earth Lost Jerusalem, and Wilhelm makes sure that there is no path to it on any maps or in any records. Somewhere in here, the immigrant fleet will settle on the planet Abraxas, uh, it becomes the site for themselves, the secret society Ormus, the people of the Zohar, where they bury the relics of God, and they will also colonize an asteroid, naming it Pleroma after their colony ship, and use it as a site of worship for their religion. Uh, from memory, we blew that sucker up in one of the first two games. Let me double check myself. Yeah, the first one. It's the first dungeon, I believe. Yep, that is actually the shitty space tower that we nuked early on. I believe we stole Momo from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Abraxas is used as a settlement by groups that had managed to escape the Earth upon its destruction, who form an independent nation unaffiliated with Galaxy Federation law, and thus declare themselves the immigrant fleet. However, they are later incorporated into the Federation because that's how Federations work. You give them enough time and they will just absorb things. So over thousands of years, the Galaxy Federation expands to half a million planets throughout the known universe, and they are also forced to relocate the capital four times, which is how we eventually have a fifth Jerusalem. I -hmm. presume the first one was New Jerusalem, and then second, third, fourth, and fifth. I don't know. We don't have actual data on that. This is the blank space. So... At the start of TC-4000s, the immigrant fleet reunites with the Galaxy Federation. They begin mutual exchanges, but their backgrounds and disparities are too much to bridge. And so, due to this and the fleet's possession of the Zohar, which the found... the foundation... The uh, Federation is, you know, kind of tetchy over. There's a lot of war, truce, war, truce, etc. in here. TC-4400, which is where we start getting into the actual events of games. Around the turn of this century, Vector Industries has a UMN Management and Administration Department. They were the ones behind the first theories of virtual reality construction inside the UMN. Carnegie is the only name of the mathematician who served as the leader of this organization, and because of his ideas, scientific progress jumps forward rapidly over the next 200 years. He's why we have VR. That's it. That's all we know about Carnegie. It sounds like that would be, like, a Wilhelm plant, right? Like, it's just Wilhelm, like, just saying, here you go, here's the code. That's my suspicion. 
Yeah, I have a question about all this Wilhelm did it shit also. And I don't necessarily think that this <laughs> this question is going to have any answer at all, much less a satisfying one. But okay, so Wilhelm trying to prevent any pathway to true Earth from being discovered, everything being blocked off. Why did he then let one of the primary factions of the galaxy like base their whole shit on fanatically getting back there? Like, you know, and and also secretly he's the head of, you know, that religious organization. It seems like if he had all that power, he could really nip that in the bud and make it so that people weren't eternally trying to get back there and it would be a lot less risky for him controlled opposition just yeah i would say controlling like because otherwise like if there was a group of people trying to do that that he couldn't control or didn't have like control over then it could cause a problem but also they're useful to him because he can make them do things yeah i guess he's just he's like it's not a great answer but yeah, he's kind of a dumb, super genius evil. Yeah. Also, the controlled opposition thing doesn't necessarily work, right? Because you can have. You don't have to create the opposition that knows about the thing you're trying to keep secret without that. Literally, no one knows about it and you're done. Like controlled opposition yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense that Wilhelm would want to puppet a major faction, but. Why give that faction all the clues to the thing you're trying to hide? (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to throw this out there that you need some faction and make it the religion that half of the galaxy sees as kooks, who are the ones going, where did we come from? How do we get back there? Someone is going to ask these questions. It's going to be archaeologists. It's going to be... People who are like, why is it called Fifth Jerusalem? There will be hints to it. Having it be in the hands of the people who are known as fanatics who are constantly fighting with the government, you've basically made yourself space rednecks and said, that's their shit. Mm. You know what? Wouldn't we need a group that really wants to go back to Lost Jerusalem in order to get the recurrence to happen at the end? Because you need that impetus to get people to push towards I, I guess that's where because that's where Zarath, no, Zarathustra is on Mictum. Mictum. Yeah, they, mm. they took that. The only thing that stayed on Lost Jerusalem was Mary's body. I guess there's a way you probably could have pulled that off without having that be the thing. But I mean, in terms of the story, it's less interesting that way, I guess, to not have the religious faction be obsessed with this. Yeah. Right. Like in terms of just storytelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is this is the flaw to me with having this like personification of the guardian of the domain be a person with quasi recognizable human intelligence. It makes it seem a whole lot dumber. It's just, you know, because at the end of the day, Wilhelm ends up being just like a finger steeple schemer kind of person when it's like you're you're talking about 
fucking God, and you're not talking about fucking God, uh, and returnal recurrence, and um, uh, you know all this shit. And it's like when it boils down to, oh, Wilhelm did it instead of you know, oh, the omnipotent guardian of the middle domain did it, or you know, the of the barrier between the domains, or you know, whatever Wilhelm's official title is at the end of the day, when he is also recognizable as just an anime villain, it kind of falls apart for me a little bit. Just a little bit, though, because I still love this yeah, game. Weird, but yeah. A weird little guy is not cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially when he's chaos. like... <laughs> chaos is cool. Is that your counterpoint for a weird little guy being cool? Yeah, I like chaos. Uh, chaos is so much cooler like chaos, than the version cool of chaos. Not the word to be. He's so much cooler than the version of chaos that exists in Xenoblade Chronicles 1, though. Holy shit. What? Oh my god, when Xenoblade Chronicles 1 does the turn about three quarters of the way into the plot, maybe four-fifths of the way into the plot, and turns into, oh, it is a Xeno game now, and I see who's who, the Chaos character fucking sucks so hard. It's been a really long time. Is that supposed to be Dixon? No, Alvis. Oh, yeah. Alvis is another soft-spoken twink. But hey, hey, Matt and Sybil, do you mind if I, if I, if I spoil the Hit end me. of Xenoblade? It's, it's fine. I, I've, I've on that game for a decade, and I still haven't played it yet. <laughs> so all of Xenoblade Chronicles takes place in a pocket universe that an evil scientist created to try to figure out how to create pocket universes that goes wrong the main scientist guy gets absorbed into the pocket universe becomes the god of that universe and starts the eternal recurrence cycle within the pocket universe so that he can continue to create life and then absorb it back into himself so he can mm-hmm. live forever and become all powerful within his own realm and the sneaky little twink that thwarts him okay. is the computer program it's the personification of the computer program in the real world who then because this is this like algorithmically driven pocket universe eventually is like you know what we don't need gods anymore i'm gonna put it in the hands of the people but it's still the people that like you know the evil scientist created okay but yeah alvis shows up to you as this soft-spoken twink who is exactly like chaos and then you find out at the end that it's a fucking computer program from something that's orbiting irl earth fucking just that so basically they're playing dwarf fortress i was gonna say (laughs) spelunky but yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i mean this is like a self-generating like fanfic that's within the xenoverse right right would have defeated the robots but um there were some restrictions on the refuse pile so no one could do anything (laughs) (laughs) it would be amazing though like okay knowing that wouldn't it be hilarious if there was like glitchiness that happened in the world because somebody like broke something or like did an update and now like things are different now just to make it like extra meta? Like I know that would like probably give away that twist, but like if they did that, that would be hilarious. Yeah, well, I'll because... tell you right now, they could give that twist away because that twist is not incredible. No, it's not. I'm just saying if you're gonna if you're gonna make this all a simulation like fuck with it like really fuck with it make it computer like that's cool it really i 
the turn in Xenoblade Chronicles, and I know that this is about Xenosaga, so I don't want to spend too long on it, but like the turn in Xenoblade Chronicles is neat because it's like, oh, there's actually interesting stuff going on in the plot now. But also you spend at least 40 hours in a normal, mundane, doo-doo-ass mm-hmm. plot where, you know, robots come and attack come and attack your village and then you go on a revenge quest for robots and that's fucking 40 hours. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, the robots mm-hmm. are cool. It's actually it's actually God that sucks. <laughs> It's just like, okay, cool. Well, it doesn't make the robots not suck. Well, no, 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 no. The the robots robots that suck, that's coming in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) No, the 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 robots end up end up being allies, or at least some of them. Although there is uh, weird. So the main robot villain is also driven by revenge, just like you. And so it is very much a, oh, you and me and our revenge <laughs> plots, we're not so different, you and I, kind of bullshit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that, uh-huh. it's really uncomfortable also, and that's how you know they're true allies. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, sorry, digression over. No worries. Let's kick off the very eventful TC4500s. The immigrant fleet appears in the Mictum star system and claims sovereignty over the planet Abraxas for Holy Land reasons. A protracted conflict between the immigrant fleet and the Galaxy Federation starts in the Mictum system not long after this. In 4580, Abraxas enters into a tense agreement where the fleet will allow the Federation to have partial ownership rights to the Draper region, that's a name you've never heard before now, which had become a popular area for firms in the biotech sector. Cool. I I could just see the what on the faces of my hosts right now. (laughs) TC4590, the Life Recycling Act is proposed, and the next year it is passed. In this period, the Draper region is opened up to private use by Dmitry Yuryev after a branch of the Yuryev Institute is built there. Every private sector business in the biotech industry sets up shop, hoping to enjoy the benefits provided by the Life Recycling Act in a region closely linked with this crazy motherfucker. Somewhere in the I wish 40- the game had been more about the Life Recycling Act. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the stuff we're dealing with right now is Pied Piper. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, the the best parts of the series to me are about the Life Recycling Act and the fallout it has on society, and I think that's way cooler than the God stuff we get into. To be honest, yeah, I mean, I mean it yeah. definitely makes the counterpoint against, um, like, if we're talking about religion or like recurrence of souls and stuff, and then you have this like man made phenomena that's like reanimating bodies and keeping people alive like that is an interesting tension which you could have you wouldn't have needed to throw out all of the religion stuff but yeah yeah well, you yeah. kind of just put that aside oh, not even but you i mean the the fact that you point like there 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 are parallels there that they could really mine mm-hmm. if they had like the time and resources for it of like you know life recycling eternal recurrence both are bunk here's why well, here's mm-hmm. one that mm-hmm. I have connected to that. What if the Life Recycling Act is pitched as a way to hold off gnosification? Because if the gnosis are souls who mm. do not wish to progress forward, what if you forcefully keep bodies and humans in a state of stasis where they cannot become gnosis? Whoa. 
That's cool. That's Give cool Soraya idea. Saga a job back. God damn it. <laughs> the only time someone says I wish someone would do body and spaces. <laughs> <laughs> So, the 4600s, the rights of Planet Apraxis officially go to the immigrant fleet. Somewhere in this time period, Bunny, everyone's favorite terrible robot that shows up everywhere, mm-hmm. is said to be the creation of a children's book author, but no, it's just the eternal recurrence of minions. <laughs> oh, Jan no. Sauer is born <laughs> <Toby>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but what are the what were the buddies doing dur- during Hitler's raid? Like, <laughs> space oh, Hitler's you better raid. believe you had better believe that Bunny was involved in some Yuriev Institute shit. Oh, fuck. Why do you think oh he has God. that second face? U R T B. It turns out <laughs> the U R T Vs were all raised at fifty X X Kinderheim. <laughs> oh shit um it can never be children's stories in any media again to me (laughs) because it's all gonna (laughs) turn into monster (laughs) gonna be like what if what if this thing creates a psychopath who's gonna murder people oh no too many watercolors (laughs) i know what this leads to Look, look, we already have Shrek, right? We can't have the monster with no name because we already have Shrek. Shrek is definitely part of this cycle of recurrence. Let's be real. Oh, no. I feel like if you are a character of sufficient unreality and you become a cycle of memes, you're part of this. Oh, God. Minions, Rabbids, Shrek, Servbots, Bunny. It all connects. Whoa. Whoa. <sighs> We're uncovering day, some really hard. It will be the here. minions and sp- <laughs> the minions inspired mass shooting will be extremely dark. Oh god! <laughs> oh, it's coming. We all know it. I mean, you do know the only death inside Universal Studios was a dude blowing his brains out in front of the minions roller coaster, right? No. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a deliberate act of suicide, sacrificing himself to the minions. And he wasn't, was he on the ride? He was in front of the ride. Yeah, he was in front of the ride. It wasn't on it. It would have been better if he was on it. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to (laughs) disagree. I mean, probably worse for the people behind him, but. (laughs) Just wiping that guy off of your face with a minions branded moist towelette. (laughs) my man trying and failing to get the timing right when the camera goes off oh that would be the worst (laughs) oh god now I'm just thinking of the Bud Dwyer suicide and then imagining after the gunshot a bunch of minions running in and be like (laughs) sorry I'm imagining yeah I'm imagining the ride camera shot of the guy doing it the person behind them doing the Shinji, but with like the fun minions border around the photo as you go oh by my the, God. as you go by where you can buy the ride photo. Oh man! <laughs> Bleak. Jesus Christ! Bleak. It'll be really unsad that this has all has to get cut out. Uh, or I'm yeah. just gonna have to put like a major spoiler warning up front, or like content warning for uh, jokes. Spoiler warning. <laughs> spoiler warning. We're gonna make a lot of jokes about minions and suicide. 
<laughs> it is a spoiler. I have seen the rise of Gru. Let me tell you. <laughs> Holy shit! This is this is we. This is the episode that the fucking feds are gonna put two and two together between our most downloaded episode because of the Jewish space laser joke, and then <laughs> now this. We're gonna get put on a list when the feds put those two episodes together. <laughs> Oh no. I have bad news for you. You're already on a list because I'm podcasting with you. <laughs> it's true. Uh... Yeah, they do keep a database of all podcasters. Oh, I definitely believe it. I'm convinced that that new social media platform is an op to fuck with podcasters because now it's impossible to discover co-hosts. Well, I mean, well, but let's be real, though. The government doesn't care about white terrorists. So why would they put podcasters on a list? Uh, so that they could say so much for the tolerant left. Okay, fair, fair. The next string of events is just a bunch of people being born in the Pied Piper era. Do you want me to go over these birth dates or no? Nope. Nah. We'll All right. Then let's jump forward to TC 4659, where Jan Sauer is assigned to the Federation Police. The next year, he becomes a captain in the 1875th Special Operations Command Detachment of the Federation Police Bureau, a counterterrorism unit. That's so many cops. There are 1,875 groups of them. I remind you, we're already up to half a million planets. <laughs> That's so many planets. Oh, God, wow. Yeah, that that rapidity of expansion blows my fucking mind. I know mm -hmm. that it's because they've got UMN access now, but I was just like, you know, 4,000 years from now or like 4500 years really is a long time but it's not enough time to colonize 500,000 planets i think it probably is but right once you get to one place the only thing that keeps us from expanding so rapidly here is like there's literally a hard cap on resources once you get somewhere else that's not true anymore and the umn teleportation allows that to go off mm -hmm. yeah you think about how it's great that Mass Effect came out before vaping was invented, or what is what's his name would definitely be vaping instead. <laughs> the elusive man, just oh, I thought you meant Garrus, fucking jewel. No, oh, I thought you meant fucking yeah, Garrus. Exactly, <laughs> Garrus would also vape. You're totally right, Sybil. <laughs> <laughs> that rocks, but that would be good. Well, it would, you know what it would do is that it would make him, um, because everyone's so horny for Garrus, I feel like it would make half the population that's already horny for Garrus not horny for him anymore, and the other half way more horny for him. So it would just like, Garrus vaping would polarize the Garrus thirst community. So, 
So th- th- there's a conservation they would have of thirst to have a... <laughs> going on right here. <laughs> Imagine the volumetric lighting coming through Garrus's fucking fat clouds. God. <laughs> <laughs> so, TC4667, <laughs> the events of Xenosaga Pied Piper kick off. <laughs> Uh, Eric Weber, a.k.a. Voyager, commits a series of terrorist attacks on the Federation's hyperspace transport network, UMN, and attacks civilian women and children. Jan Sauer is wrapped up as an investigator of these attacks. The nursing plant I'm incident I'm glad I waited occurs. to say seems cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think we skipped over this in our summary of Pied Piper, but... The nursing plant incident was a mass murder incident at the government VIP nursing plant in Draper. Uh, It was presumed Voyager's work. They were embryos that were genetically modified and intended to be raised for important government positions. And then they were the, um, they're the what's their names from Xenosaga 2? I can't remember the name of that faction, like the the superpower children the Kukai Foundation hangs out with. Yeah. 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 It's unknown why he killed so many babies, but post-crime reports stated that large quantities of specific information were lost from the brains of the deceased children. Who, again, yeah, a lot of ways to interpret that based on the weird translations we have of this incomplete game that's been lost to time. I like to think that he somehow stole a bunch of information from the brains of children who were still embryos, and we just searched those because they were also basically hard drives. But yeah, he steals a bunch of information that allows him to do his further terrorist attacks by taking it from these children who were supposed to be the future leaders of the world. So, Jan Sauer navigates a bunch of political bullshit between the Federation and the immigrant fleet because this is taking place in the Abraxas system. And as part of this, Dmitry Yuryev will stop providing Jan Sauer or not Jan Sauer, uh, Eric Weber, with the drugs necessary to counteract Udu's influence. So he starts fucking with the immigrant fleet to communicate with Udu through the Zohar because he's now a puppet of the Udu. Mm-hmm. He is, however, rejected by Udu for his sacrifice, and thus Weber is recruited by Wilhelm and becomes a testament. As the first testament, Weber will kill everyone close to Jan Sauer, including Sharon and Joaquin Rosas, his wife and son. Instead of taking his offer to become a testament, Jan Sauer kills himself. I think Voyager works really well. It's like, I'm, I'm surprised how well Voyager worked as like a major antagonist for Ziggy without any of the relevant context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, they do so much just with characterization and like referencing stuff. And yeah, Voy- Voyager is one of my favorite personal nemeses. You know, he's it's like just below Kevin as far as as far as like, you know, lesser baddies and being you know emotionally affected by them. Uh, I forgot I his name Voyager. was Kevin. And I'm so yeah. tickled by your like these great nemeses, Voyager and Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do a, a ranking of testaments? Uh, at some point this episode, just... Let's... I mean, it's real easy. <laughs> I mean, there's only four of them. They're all... What? Is there a fourth one? Oh, my God. Yeah, Albedo. Oh, I forgot about Albedo. <laughs> man, it's just... The test is just, oops, all greats, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, we all know that the blue one is the weakest. Oh, I mean... <sighs> Virgil, yes. Yeah, Virgil I... is definitely the weakest of those four. Like, weakest... No, I, I, come on. I think no. he's done better than Kevin, honestly. I feel like Kevin feels the least well motivated in terms of how he expresses his intentions, right? Because, like, oh, I, I think Virgil's the best one by a disagree. lot. What? No, what, what I. Oh, Virgil's the best one by a lot. What? No. Mm. no. Oh, come on. Yes. Oh, dude. Oh, come on. Look, the, the, the no, scene outside for, the church at, after the battle. Oh, so good. For me, Kevin is the best one because he's the one that I hate the most. Like, it, Kevin is the best heel of the Four <laughs> Testaments. Yeah, the way he expresses his villainy, like, right before that boss battle is so good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, but you yeah. also have to remember... This is a guy who shows up at one point, goes, ha ha ha, you can't read Aramaic, ha ha ha, chumps and leaves, getting a ride from his fucking buddy. Mm-hmm. Let's fucking you know, go. I, Let's go. I mean, like, the thing that I, I've harped on about Kevin to me is that I never really understood his attachment to Xion. Like, where did it really begin? Because they don't even, they don't show it very well. They don't show the growth of their relationship very well so like, are you familiar with mormonism matt <laughs> I, I i i name dropped it earlier but uh i'm not like super familiar name dropped <laughs> i guarantee that the whole problem with the red testament and why wilhelm was able to manipulate kevin so much is that he realized that mormon like my man had imprinted on a baby Oh, God. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what happened, yeah, no, I it guess. Is, but... I was really hoping you had something else for that. Nope. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, it, it is yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he feels intensely protective over her in part because of his guilt in all of the shenanigans that he was up to and like seeing how much mm-hmm. that hurt her back in the day. And so he was like, you know what? I, you know, I, I, I care about her. Cause it's, it's it, the implications of that relationship are gross all the oh, way down. Sure. But like Shion's clearly in love with him because she was groomed to mm-hmm. be in love with him. Yeah. Whereas I think he was cut. Ca- he was kind of groomed by Wilhelm to shepherd her through what she needed to get shepherded through so that Wilhelm. So, you know, it's Kevin's being manipulated as well, but he's being manipulated at the same time as being an extremely creepy fuck. Yeah, I just wonder how much was Shion already part of his plan at like when he was a teenager, right? Like during the flashback part that we play through like does he know that she's gonna call the gnosis does he know what a gnosis is <laughs> at that point probably he definitely knows yeah, what a gnosis is because he knows wilhelm and wilhelm probably told him yeah like yeah i mean everyone just also the, the like, whole thing where yes, yes yes his family and planet were wiped out by them that that too but you know what i mean like right. did does he know that she's going to be calling the gnosis right is he trying to break her in order to do that like I wonder how much of no, that I, is Kevin's I knowledge. 
I don't think he needs to. I don't think he need. I don't think he needs to know that for it to work because um, the Gnosis wiped out his planet. Mm-hmm. Number one, number two, he started working as like a research assistant to a guy who was studying the connection between Gnosis and right. the humans that can contact the Gnosis, and thus became like really close to shion's dad Mm -hmm. and also became you know kind of protective of shion herself at the same time but because he was a young and sniveling little shit dick expressed it in the worst way possible but like you know he he knows that shion's mom has the ability to to call the gnosis and he's like going through all those experiments with everybody so you know i don't i don't think that he needs to know exactly how important shion is to develop a weird attachment to shion because of her connection to the gnosis because like you know all the clues are there yeah you know i I would say like out of the four of them i think for me voyager is the weakest because i mean a lot of it is because my piper stuff isn't there but also like the competition like albedo He's just hilarious. I was going to say, I'm surprised none of you tried playing the Albedo doesn't do anything as a testament card. Yeah, he is no, a bad testament, but um, he's a, like so much has happened with him up to that point that like he's still like a very effective villain. See, for me, that's yeah, it, I, I, I think Sybil's onto something because like all of albedo's villainous shit is pre-testament and then once he becomes the white testament he's kind of there just to float down and thwart the stuff that's going on because he is more enlightened than the other three testaments because he's you know he's touched god he's touched god and the demiurge yeah i guess i guess that means he's the worst testament but like a better villain than a lot of the testaments sure yeah I, and he's just going on villainy. That's why I like Virgil the best, because the scale of the villainy and the relationships involved is so small and mm-hmm. personal. And that lets all of like the emotional payoff for that at the church be like much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we're having this argument in the first place makes me it's like all all of the lesser villains, all of the non Wilhelm villains in Xenosaga are really well rendered compared to most other like you know henchman level or you know underboss level villains in jrpgs which are usually pretty one note this is where all of the conflict is it's the conflict between you know it the characters and their motivations and blowing that up to you know villainy scale or whatever and i love all like virgil the sections with virgil fucking rock the sections with kevin fucking rock the sections with voyager we don't get enough of them but like they do a good job of communicating what's going on there, even though we have the least to go on. And then, you know, Albedo's fucking Albedo. He is so cool in cutscenes. They try so hard with him. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, like, and... He's and, the most and direct, then... and I think that's why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, got. I, I know, it's so weird to say things like Albedo as a villain fucking rocks, while also, at the same time, holding all of the depraved sexual violence that he does in my head at the same time that they like yeah don't do a very good job of taking seriously enough or like treating it with the gravity that it deserves with the special forgiveness thing at the end yeah but 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 albedo rocks as a villain (laughs) despite all. was there ever a not good minor villain in the series right because you have margulis 
Orgula. Cherenkov is kind of a minor villain for a while. Like, um, Orgula is kind of lame. Yeah, Orgula she's sucks. Just like, she, she's yeah. just Pellegree 2.0. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it's not a bad fight. Like, it's a pain in the ass fight, but... Well, that's a yeah. great fight. That's like one fun. of the only fights in Xenosaga 2 where the mechanics work really well. But she's also so mm-hmm. inconsequential, they removed her from the redo of the game. Yeah. I think she's really the only yeah. villain who doesn't really matter at all. I mean, and you could say, like, as much as we like Richard and his pal, whose name we never remember. Uh, <laughs> uh, Herman. <laughs> Herman. Uh, like, they, they didn't need to be there. Like, they didn't add much. They're just fodder. They're, they're uh, big and they're fun. Yeah, yeah the, the Dark the Professor is a better villain than Orgula. <laughs> yeah. God, it'd be so weird, though, if the if the Dark Professor were tied into, like, all of this shit with, like, the immigrant fleet oh, in Ormus. Oh, somehow. the Dark Professor just shows up as a testament at the end would be the best. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Fucking Why can't he? They, like, fucking Purple Testament or something. Scott some and What's-His-Name are already, like, main plot characters in 2 and 3. Why can't the Dark Professor get me one? There should have been one line in this game being like, this weird guy named Wilhelm offered me something to extend my life, but instead I put my soul into Coconut Monkey. <laughs> yeah. That should have happened. Yeah. I like to yeah. presume it yeah, did it off screen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, or, like, turning him down because, like, I don't care about, like, going back to Lost Jerusalem or whatever. I just want to build a cool robot. I have Why to do I need your cool professor. robot? I have my own cool robot. <laughs> hey, you know uh, what happens if my cool robot trips over a power cord? It doesn't fall off a cliff and die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, two years after the events of Pied Piper... Uh, 4669, Jan Sauer is revived as Ziggurat 8. I I really don't know why his body is sat on for two years. I try not to think about that. Maybe that's how long it took to get all the pieces of his head back inside of it. And Weren't they doing wars, wars at the time, right? Like, I'm sure you got a lot of, like, first in, first out queue, a lot of people hanging out. That's true. That could be it. He was just backlogged. And Melise Ortis found Scientia, the anti-UMN group. We jump forward to the 4700s. There's a, another string of births here. I do want to point out, because I find it funny, Sellers is three years older than the professor. Oh. Yeah. The professor oh, is... pretty good. Wow. The professor is the third oldest person of this next crop. Uh, Sellers is born in 4700. 4701 is Mizrahi. The professor is 4703. Just put that in, keep that in mind when you're dealing with the rest of the series. Yuli, Mizrahi, and Margulis are also the same age. So. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. 4730, the Zohar incident occurs. Not the Zohar incident. This is the series of wars that will eventually go on to become the Milshin conflict. Uh, just as a quick once over on that, it's basically when the autonomous planet Zoar started to invade other planets in the Milshin system. There was never an official declaration of war, so this becomes a kind of Vietnam situation where it's like, okay, the immigrant fleet is trying to use proxies to try and keep Milsha out of the Galaxy Federation. 
the Salvatore faction is somewhere involved. The UTIC organization is seen in the whole thing. And then we don't have a clear answer on what happens because the whole thing ends with the Milshin conflict and the destruction of the planet that has a lot of the evidence on it. <clears throat> During this period, uh, the rest of our cast starts being born. Cherenkov, Pelligree, Jin Uzuki. So many names. Uh, it turns out that Kanan Jr., Albedo, Citrine, and Guinan were all born in the same year for some reason. Don't know. <laughs> you Scott can fill too. a lot of test tubes really fast. It's fine. Yeah, I was about to say, extreme scare quotes on born there. <laughs> like when your TV gets born off the assembly line. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Sakura uh, and Scott are also the same age. We do have a birthday for Herman, which is the next year. Alan okay. is one year younger than Herman. Huh. Yeah. Herman seems like 20 years older than Alan. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm pointing out some of these because they're really funny. Did did Herman have a character model? No, I'm uh, thinking of Helmer, not Herman. Sorry. Yeah, because we've yeah, never Herman, seen Herman, Herman of okay. Herman and Richard. Who is only seen in uh, concept art? Yeah, there's no model. Yeah, because I, I I only remember seeing them in the robots, which means we're not having we haven't seen what they look like. Yep, there's like I say, there's a sketch of uh, the one. I don't actually know if there is for Richard. Let me find out. Is he in the uh, anime? Is Dick? that why there's a character what? sketch for him? Wow, wow. Okay, so Richard was in. Um, one and two, I had forgotten that. And the pixel art for... All right, I'm going to just show you Herman, who does never show Let's up on camera. Go. One moment. This is going to uh -huh, be good. Uh -huh. Okay. Do, do, do. Here's Herman. What? <laughs> My man in Fire Emblem right now. No, what no, no. This? No, no, no. The best one is going to be... He does look like not... a Fire Emblem guy. You are yeah, not fucking armor? prepared for Richard. I'm ready. <laughs> this is also Herman, though. This is also... What? <laughs> Yo! Yo! No! <laughs> what is this? Holy shit. Yo! What? Oh, my... Okay, okay. Femboy we... or miss. Femboy or okay. miss. Femboy or miss. I want you to miss. know, Richard has a whole-ass Char-Aznable backstory. Let's go. Oh my Not God, only I does Richard know. act like Vega... He also looks like Vega. <laughs> Should we like try to describe what this looks please, like? Please, please do. Okay. I mean, it's it's like okay, it's definitely taking notes off of like the classic French made uniform, right? Because it's got mm -hmm. it's got like frilly white bits, and it's uh, you know black underneath it. There's pink accents. Uh, he's got like a it's a like, halter a top skirt. Yeah, it's a halter top, and he's got, like, one arm, like, a gauntlet with a bunch of, like, plate, you know, steel plates on it. But it's all, like, the edging is all in bright, you know, highlighter pink. It is incredible. Also, just, yeah, impossibly stiff metallic collar, beautiful, flowing blonde hair. 
and mm-hmm. you know like sexy long black gloves uh b- underneath both the gauntlet and also on the other arm which are then like there are like ballet style wraps that go up the other sexy black glove um it's really uh-huh. this is it, it's ve- oh. it, it is very close from to getting like a sexy cosplay made uniform from wish yeah yeah and like and also don't forget the tattoo on the arm which it's not a i wouldn't call it a tribal tattoo what would you call that you can't really see it very well yeah I would... here i actually have a better sh- i have a second shot with the full tattoo hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh this is so much uh i prefer very, very funny. This, this shot of herman though just looking like a a guy from Phoenix Wright. That's from yeah, the DS game. That's, that's a Final Fantasy yeah, that X is, tattoo. That is a Phoenix Wright ass motherfucker. Yeah, it also looks yeah. like a the world ends with you like noise symbol is exactly what that looks like to me. There's a thing I have to drop on you, which is going to make this even better. Nah, you know go. what we didn't? You know what didn't get picked up on because you never really saw them in the main games. It's the fact that Richard is fucking 14 and Herman is 25. What? Yes. Richard is 15 by three. Oh, my God. Damn, game developers (laughs) truly have never seen other human beings. Fucking gross. Jesus. These two are the fucking top tier inquisitors of... Of the Ormus, and one of them is a fucking child, and the other one is his Alfred. This is that Prozidi video of ages like, oh, I'm a child prodigy, and how old are you? Eight. Yeah. 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 I hate this. But like this, this aesthetic has like none of this aesthetic has anything to do with Xenosaga at all. No, No. it's great. Where did this come from? yeah, I was gonna ask. Oh, right. Let Especially me... the pixel art for Richard. Uh, yeah, that's uh one and two, the DS game. Oh my god, also, that's in the DS game. Yeah, yeah. That's also, in the DS I have game. to, I have to tell you, he is explicitly some charasnable backstory shit. Here is his bio: he is a member of an old family with roots that can be traced back to the immigrant fleet. His older sister and parents died in an accident in early childhood. As a result, he became master of the house. His eccentric, almost split personality seems to have been brought on by watching his sister's death. <laughs> Richard! <laughs> oh, I, I guess I have to make this the episode art now. <laughs> it's such no, an unexpected twist. God. Richard no, Richard got that outfit <laughs> that is what you think of when you hear the words e-girl. Uh, Richard that's what I got think that. Of. Richard has a description that I can only put down as medieval femboy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so TC forty seven forty seven Planet Mictum is destroyed by the Gnosis. Kevin Winnicott is the only survivor. TC forty seven fifty one the Utic organization is founded with the purpose of studying the Zohar. Their base is Labyrinthos on Milsha. 51 to 53, Utik begins imposing harsh working conditions on mine workers in the Dabre mine. A resistance develops, led by Tethlia Magus, and riots ensue. 
Tethlia was captured by the Utic organization during these riots and was held as a connection experiment test subject at Labyrinthos, where he is killed. If you do not remember, we actually fight his daughter in the mech in the mine. Yeah, my, I think her name was. That is her. Yes, my Magus. TC forty seven fifty. Her father standing robot. <laughs> yup. Mm-hmm. Uh, TC forty seven fifty three. The Milshan conflict occurs. Joachim Mizrahi dies. Milsha is locked into the abyss, and Gnosis flood into the universe on Bass. Also, Richard is born. <laughs> TC-4754, the Contract Subcommittee is formed and the Life Recycling Act is revoked. The next year, 55, the Kukai Foundation is established and it rescues Mary and Shelley, who were a group of people illegally owned by a pharmaceutical company using them as guinea pigs. So, yep, that's part of their backstory that doesn't come up outside of the database. That explains why they have SCART connectors on the back of their head. Yup. 4763, Xion joins Vector Industries and the Milshin Charter is enacted. Next year, Alan gets hired. 4765, the Cosmos archetype goes on a rampage at Vector's first R&D division on planet Carioca, killing 12 people, including Kevin Winnicott. On planet Ariadne, the Utic organization conducts connection experiments with the Zohar emulators. A few years later, 67, the Ariadne incident occurs and Ariadne becomes the cathedral ship because nobody knows to stop fucking with these things. And this is when episode one kicks off. How did the Zohar get into space? Uh, the Zohar got into space because it was taken off planet by the immigrant fleet. It was dragged over to. I'm, I mean, actually, space. I think space, I like just realized floating. the exact. Uh, it was locked away in the abyss. We didn't have the actual Zohar around. And that's why we had the emulators. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It was an emulator that they picked up at the beginning of one. Yep, yes. Yep. So. Now we are in the events of episode one, and this one goes a lot faster because this is just plot beats. Gnosis attack the Woglinde and steal the Zohar emulator. During the attack, Louis Virgil is killed by Cosmos, while Andrew Cherenkov is touched by a Gnosis. Shion, Cherenkov, Alan, and Cosmos use an escape cod to get out of the Woglinde and are rescued by the Elsa. <laughs> this motherfucker said escape cod. <laughs> That's what I heard, too. (laughs) So that's what the fish billboard was about. (laughs) Ridiculous fishing too fucking wild. Explosive fishing with Demon Prince Reen. Don't worry, that's a Mm. joke for people who've played RPGs that aren't Uh y'all. The Milshin Con fish. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Milshin Codfish. Why would you not go Codfish? Fuck. This is why I need breakfast before before we record. Uh, same. Uh, don't worry. This is where uh, this starts going really fast. Because, again, we're just into the events of games now. Uh, Matthews escorts Shion's group to second Milsha with Chaos. Ziggy rescues Momo from Pleroma. They fight off Margulis and Utic operatives and also join the Elsa. 
Cherenkov turns into a gnosis named Gargoyle on the cathedral ship, forcing Shion and the others to kill him. Junior and the Durandal save the Elsa from Gnosis, and we have 99% of the party now. Due to Utic manipulation, Shion's group is framed for the Glinde's destruction and held hostage by the Galaxy Federation. So, they head into Cosmos' Encephalon for exonerating evidence. This is where we first meet Fabronia, who asks Shion to free Cecily and Kaith. Shion's group is cleared of all charges from the Federation, and at this point, Albedo Piazzola captures and psychologically tortures Momo before activating the Song of Nephilim above Second Milsha. The Federation fleet try to destroy the Kukai Foundation base as it appears to be the source of the song, but Wilhelm, who has been secretly observing things, arrives with a private fleet that destroys the Gnosis and protects the base, giving Cosmos a phase transfer cannon to detect the source of the song. Boarding the spaceship, the group rescue Momo and fight Albedo, but they are stopped by Virgil, who allows Albedo to escape with a piece of data extracted from Momo that could grant access to Milsha, the Y-Data fragment. Albedo summons Proto-Merkaba and destroys the Federation fleet before aiming the station's weapons at Second Milsha and its capital. Shion's group destroys the core while Albedo flees, and Cosmos shields the damaged Elsa as it flies to Second Milsha. End of episode one. Hooray. Episode two! Kanan is assigned to protect the crew of the Elsa. Shion reluctantly hands Cosmos over to Vector officials, and Momo is escorted to her mother by Junior, Ziggy, and Chaos. On the way, there is a weird scene where they are attacked by Pellegree, Richard, and Herman, but Kanan does something. Using his subconscious virus from the last game that was teased and never paid off, Albedo dives into Momo's subconscious via the Encephalon in order to gain the full Y-data. To prevent anything else from getting out, Momo shatters her own mind, becoming comatose. Fuck, I forgot half the game was about going to the doctor's office. Fuck, man. Yes. I was about to describe. Three times on the show. (laughs) The worst dungeon in the series as Shion Jr. and the rest of the group enter Momo's subconscious to save her. Thank goodness the next dungeon will be different and good. Yeah. Xenosaga needed less time in the doctor's office and more time in Doctus's office. You know what I'm Hi-oh. saying? Uh-huh. I was really very worried about where you were going to take that because I knew <laughs> Doctus was going to be how the sentence started, but <laughs> just you know, uh, the, the doctor's office is just like right between her extremely prominent uh, cleavage. <laughs> Tracks of land well, is the I mean, that's way. not that. I mean, that's not that may not be her real body, though, right? Because isn't that isn't she also an animated puppet by Doctus, like remotely controlled? She is remotely controlled. She's one of again. There's that whole theory that she might be Melise Ortis. There's a lot we don't know about mm-hmm. Doctus mm-hmm. on the record. Yeah, she's Jamie. both literally and figuratively uh, uh, Makoto uh, Kusanagi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or uh, sexy cat she. Talk talk about getting in the robot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely Yuli. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Albedo gets the complete Y data via this dive, uses it to open the way to Old Milsha. Because of this, the Federation, Utic, and the immigrant fleet. Yes, we know those last two are the same thing, but, you know, for the sake of 
everyone looking real, they have to pretend, uh, start fighting over the space for the control of the Zohar. And this is what brings us back into actual galactic war again for the first time in ages. Shion and Alan attempt to reach Milcha, but are almost destroyed by Utic forces and are only saved due to Cosmos spontaneously activating, flying into space, and saving their ass. With Jin, Uzuki, and Kanan joining them, we now have a full party, and Shion's group launches an assault with the upgraded Elsa Evolution, bet you forgot it was named that by the end of the second game, destroying the immigrant fleet mothership before being rescued by Guinan as the space-time distortion around Milcha vanishes. As Jin fights Margulis in space, the group finds the Zohar along with a comatose Cecily and Kaith, who Cosmos kills. Sergius XVII claims the Zohar on behalf of Ormus and the fleet, and installs it into the Proto-Omega, destroying Milsha and activating the Omega system. Xion's group escape on the Elsa, which, you know, takes out a lot of the armies of the Federation and Ormus during activation. At this point, Guinan is first possessed by the spirit of Yuriev, who will start taking over the Federation government and launching an attack on Proto-Omega. Xion's group will slip in during this chaos to do their own more focused assault, and Albedo shows up to help Xion's group take out the Pope, only to be gravely wounded by the Zohar-powered robot. However, this does nothing for Sergius because the Testaments immediately show up kill him, resurrect Albedo, and punk on Ziggy. So, using Udu and the Zohar, Albedo turns the entire Omega system into a space-time anomaly. Junior kills Albedo, causing that to disappear and the Zohar to be floating in space, where Abel's Ark jacks it and disappears. Yay! Mm-hmm. TC-4768, Xenosaga, a missing year occurs. The Gnosis terrorism incident caused by Grimoire Verum occurs. The... <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get excited about a lot of this because so much of this is just uh -huh. a bunch of families not talking to each other and hating one another. Yeah, well, and it's just the Gnosis terrorism incident. And it's so funny because it is that mundane in the game, but it is also a Megamind style guy using the Gnosis to attack planets, uh, which is, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in I'm theory, sorry, what? you know, a Megamind type guy. What? That's the part I need you to explain. <laughs> That's the guy with the big you know, blue head. He's just, he yeah. is a Megamind type guy. Yeah, yeah. From the meme no with bitches. the music. Yeah. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Whoa, you've not seen Megamind? No! Oh, I you, you act like this is a cultural thing! I just know Megamind. I don't I've, see Megamind. I've seen it, but also I've seen the memes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This okay, is, no, this, is I, this is what I think of uh of Grimoire is 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 this guy. When I start seeing Fan Theory Thursday, Megamind and Masculinity, I'm closing the tab. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, no, Mega Mask is a different thing. Okay. Anyhow, Xenosaga Missing Year, the Gnosis terrorism incident, uh, the Realian Almadel, which is meant to be a clone that they can just plug Nephilim into. She doesn't come to much, given that you probably didn't know that she turned into a pillar of salt and died along with her dad. 
Skientia meets Xion and Jin. Jin, who has been working with them already, and Xion trying to do her own shit. Doesn't go well for her, but she eventually becomes friends with Doctor, so everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. Having learned that Vector and her father are directly involved in Utix activities, Xion resigns from the company. That is literally all the timeline that I used as a baseline says about this game. It's just those few bullet points. Sometime in the six months between Missing Year and Episode 3, Wilhelm gets Mary Magdalene's body, and it is used to create Telos. We don't know. It's just a hand wave. Mm-hmm. That seems like something... I can I can excuse a lot of hand waves. That seems like something that they maybe should have fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, that's like the one. Like that's a that's a really old dead body right there. <laughs> yeah, just out of nowhere, Ren Le Chateau starts floating, and presumably that's how he gets it. But we don't explain how that comes back to reality. We don't explain how it becomes a plank scale trap, etc. It's just mm. like uh, we need it. I for- I forgot mm. about that. Yeah. So yeah, um, episode three kicks off, again, six months after the missing year events. Xion is now working with Skientia to investigate Vector, is currently using Miyuki as a basically double agent, but kind of just abusing her trust, the woman. Alan has taken over the Cosmos project in Xion's place. Everyone else is looking into the, you know, Ren Le Chateau, but the whole thing gets swallowed up after an attack by Margulis. So this means that we have to get the remaining characters to get Cosmos, who has been dumped in a garbage chute, reactivate her, make her work, because the instant we get her, she's been wrecked by Telos, and then use some extra tech that we steal to get inside the whole hypersphere. Cool, great. Somewhere in here, Yuriev places Abel as the pilot of Omega Res Novae, which was a weapon created from Proto-Omega's remains. I really love that so much of this is just like, uh, things happen, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And fucking Abel has barely been mentioned at all. And is, you know, also barely mentioned in the games at all, but is extremely key to a lot of shit that happens. Yeah, we yep. call oh, that yeah. ableism. Oh, you can't make you... a third oh. ableism joke, Chris. What? That's too good. <laughs> it's the third time you pulled that joke. Did I? Well, cl- clearly yeah, it means you yes. need to make it the episode title. the look on ryan's face when i said that Uh. all right anyway uh they enter the hyperspace pocket around renle chateau they discover the elsa investigate the area the vessels of anima have all been powered down roth mantel reveals himself as the red testament brings telos in Cosmos is almost killed again, and this gets them taken back to Milsha, 15 years in the past, which we will later learn is in Xion's subconscious. Voyager attacks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this that's, is where that's we... about all that gets. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking just like end of sentence there, just like that, that ellipsis <laughs> there, which turns out to be in Xion's subconscious. 
Moving on. Imagine <laughs> yeah, yeah. how mad and you then, and would be. And then all be. of uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 happens, and then... <laughs> yeah. Imagine how mad you would be if that had been an entire game, and then JK, it was all fake. Don't worry about it. To be fair. Uh, oh, so it'd yeah. be like uh, Super Mario 2 or whatever. To be or fair, Super Mario Brothers if 2. we cut off on the ending of Shion has summoned all the Gnosis and everything goes white, and then they go see you in game four... That's baller. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then the next one immediately opens with, but don't worry about it. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Well, Abel's Ark is still in reality at that point. Anyhow, yeah, uh, Voyager shows up on the ship, tries to steal Cosmos, but she is reactivated after one boss fight. We learned that Shion is responsible in some part for fucking up Milsha. Virgil is fought and killed by the spirit of Fibronia as well as love, so he's out of the plot. The Red Testament reveals that he is Kevin Winnicott, and Shion starts having an... They just politely describe this as she escapes with Cosmos and becomes emotionally unstable. (laughs) That is an Irish tier (laughs) understatement, is all I'm going to say. Where's the lie? (laughs) So, 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 uh, Sybil, what, what you're saying is, uh, she could probably use a mood ring. <sighs> <laughs> I just listened to that episode yesterday. <laughs> oh. Uh, you, you don't realize that we're about to put out a whole two hour extravaganza on a book that band wrote. Oh mm. no! I, I've 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 seen you talk about it. It sounds like it's terrible. It also involved an episode so long we had to compress it. Uh-huh. What she actually uh-huh. needed was a mood hat. <laughs> I feel like someone should have just given her hair clips. Just hair clips that just start flaming out in different colors as soon as she starts going off. I wish oh, she no, had been more mood the- apparel, like. You know, like mm-hmm. like like mood mood cufflinks or like a shirt where the cuffs have like little mood little LEDs around them would have been the best. It would have been mood so hat sick. Is so powerful though. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like mood cufflinks. <laughs> Talking about a Fred's at the table character, which is like a spaceship admiral with just a mood lighting hat where the brim changes colors, fucking rocks. Yeah, <laughs> fucking rules. <laughs> Okay. Just love to hear. And then for the rest of the game, anytime he does something. (laughs) Exactly. What color is your hat right now? (laughs) Okay. Fucking rules. Is that the sequel to What Color Is Your Parachute? Ugh. Fuck, dude. Oh, God. No. (laughs) Who moved my LEDs? Anyway. So, yeah, Xion has summoned Abel's Ark into the real world, which begins causing planets to uh, disintegrate as it starts pursuing Zarathustra throughout the galaxy. I like how it just starts on the outskirts of humanity and cuts its way in on a large galactic path instead of just beelining directly there. You know, because Udu is kind of a dick. That way we can continually mention it for the rest of the game. Yep. Mm. On Abel's Ark, Yuriev puts the Zohar in Omega Resnovae, and it becomes the sleek white mecha Omega Metempsychosis. Yuriev uses the Federation fleet and Omega to capture the Durandal, where he steals the Zohar emulator stored inside and destroys the ship. 
It has crashed into Abel's Ark, which Xion's group successfully infiltrates. The last surviving URTVs, Junior, Albedo, and Guinan, form a spiritual link to destroy Yuriev in Guinan's body. He sacrifices himself to take out his bad dad. You know, I forgot until I went back to do to like pick up some items I missed that you can see the Durandal in the background of some of those shots when you first get to that dungeon. Yep. And it, it looks pretty sick. I like I completely missed it the first time through. Yeah, it the problem is that the Durandal has been reduced to fish billboard status by that point and nobody yeah. probes it, wants to get anything vital off like a larger game probably would have done Hey, mm-hmm. do a side quest into infested Durandal to get some stuff we're missing. But no, we could get yeah. fucking Telos data from there, right? Because that's where you first find out about Telos in Xenosaga One, right? Uh, no, I thought you found it on the ship. It was a Utic ship. Oh yeah, I forgot that. It... Yep, yep, yep. Unnamed yeah. Utic vessel. Yeah, that's the Pleroma asteroid. Yep. So. At this point, everything kind of beelines to the end as everyone arrives on Mictum. Jin defeats Pellegree. The Issachar explodes. Kanan sacrifices himself to destroy Voyager. Margulis is defeated and kills himself. Telos merges with Cosmos, allowing Mary Magdalene to be resurrected in both body and spirit. Amen. Ooh. Alan confesses his love to <laughs> Shion to prevent her from joining Kevin. When Wilhelm is confronted at Zarathustra's resting place with the Zohar attached, he tortures Shion into giving up her necklace, but Cosmos shatters it, preventing eternal recurrence. Kevin Winnicott sacrifices himself to destroy Wilhelm, crippling Zarathustra and allowing the group to defeat it. Abel, Nephilim, Cosmos, and Chaos draw all the Gnosis to them and move that region of space to Lost Jerusalem, where Chaos and Cosmos use the Zohar to eradicate them, delaying the universe's destruction. Jin Uzuki dies during this, protecting Chaos and Xion from a Gnosis. Space and time warp, the UMN networks all vanish. And so Xion, Junior, and Alan head off on the Elsa to find Lost Jerusalem. Momo, Ziggy, and Yuli Mizrahi stay in the Damarung to reconstruct a new travel network with the help of Skientia and the Vector survivors. Cosmos, meanwhile, floats through space towards Lost Jerusalem as two-thirds of a body and is contacted briefly by Chaos. We end on good night. So, okay. Does Xi'an and Alan, like, and Junior, do they just, like, die in transit looking for Lost Jerusalem and then the next generation takes over? Like, what happens there? They don't find it, right? We don't know. Because, and then, right, later on, Xenogears happens, right? Like, this is before Xenogears. Yes. So how does that connect? Okay, so I could make some attempts to link it in, but it would be giant Xenogears spoilers. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we spoiled Xenogears already. I mean, I don't know how y'all feel. I tried not to mention too many direct things. There's some characters, but like I didn't give away big parts of that plot. I could let's keep it. Xenogears is a game we'll probably play one day. Mm -hmm. Okay, I could definitely. I I, I haven't played it that much. Make some theories, but also this whole thing about Xenoblade might throw off some of things. I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know if that counts. Also, yeah. The, and the reason I'm chill spoiling Xenoblade is because we are never covering Xenoblade Chronicles on Lightning Strikes Thrice. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it, it would be bad for us to do that. But, Can you imagine yeah. how mad everyone would be when you tell them about Dixon? <laughs> God. So the so so the old guy who 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 was like the best friend of the older brother character that you have in the game turns out to be the the protege slash best friend of the god of the universe and has been pushing you towards helping him get the power to remake the universe the whole time but he just like at the end fuses his dumbass headband mustache face onto the body of a giant gnosis it fucking rocks it's incredible oh, also hilarious. i gotta find a picture of this guy really quick because why it's so funny is not apparent until you know what this guy looks like my computer's being very slow yeah. you should just look up dixon xenoblade mm-hmm um but d-i-c-k not d-i-x oh okay that's why it's i was dick, not getting any. it's, right. it's yeah dick <laughs> It it is literally Dick Son, aren't we all? Oh, I think I've uh, you've talked about this guy before. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Oh, and there's the monster. Um, yeah, yeah. There's the mm-hmm. monster. I remember seeing this. That's so fucking yeah. stupid. I'm sorry. This guy has a form named Deplorable Dixon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. He is certainly in his basket of deplorables. <laughs> fucking the the game upon replay took me 80 hours to beat and i did not enjoy about 40 of those hours so fuck that game oof and we could not make that many episodes oh my about god it. there is a dixon body pillow cover oh hell yeah <laughs> uh hold on what copy image put it in recording text <laughs> I mean, it's not the most salacious version that this could have been, but still pretty funny that they made this. Here is the thing that gets me about this. He's fucking hairless below the chin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a dolphin. Yeah, th- that doesn't make sense, does it? My man does not have one trace of chest hair or a pube with a body looking like that. (laughs) Must wax, I guess. That's it. That's all I got. The moon is gone And the night is still so dark I'm a little bit afraid Of tomorrow So are there any other questions or things we want to talk about with uh, the Xenosaga timeline, etc.? I mean, my big question that we kind of skipped last episode to be like, let's cover it in the wrap up is yeah. not really one that I'm even that 
interested in anymore, which is, you know, how do we feel Xenosaga treated Nietzsche? Because at the end of the day, you know, looking at the series in total, it's like, oh, it does a lot more than just name drop it, but also it doesn't necessarily have a consistent a consistent stance on it. Sometimes it is just bringing shit from Nietzsche in to be like, hey, isn't this a cool plot point? And sometimes it's trying to actively interrogate Nietzsche's like shittier philosophies. And but it it really to me, it goes back and forth between those two. And so there's there's not necessarily anything coherent being said about Nietzschean philosophy the whole time. It's just, it's like some of it, uh, the game thinks it's cool. And some of it, the game thinks is bunk. I think they do a good job of putting those differing perspectives within different characters rather than the game itself, having a firm ideology on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Albedo is basically our Nietzsche avatar in the first game. And then Wilhelm takes it up in the back half. So yeah, with a little bit of Kevin. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Kevin in my life. No. My wife? Yeah, no. we, we know no. what he did. No. A little bit of Kevin <laughs> in my wife. Fuck. How do you think Good Alan feels? Lord. He's going to have to God. He had to hear that story. He's going to think about that Whatever. every time. Oh, no, at, at that at that point, Kevin is Ray J, like just desperately, you know, once once Alan ends up with the girl, Kevin is about to release a rap track called I Hit It First just because he's so butthurt about it. Let it be known uh, I looked up who is Ray J. <laughs> <laughs> we knew oh you were God. white. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it is. That is. The uh, single this has to be a different guy. What? Oh, this has to be a different guy because the sidebar that's the Wikipedia is like the Harold Tanner Dean of Cornell University College oh. of Arts and Sciences and a professor of astronomy. You're like, this has to be a different guy. What are we doing no, here? That's definitely <laughs> not the right one. You're right. No, yeah. no. Ray, I mean, what if it were though? Ray J is the guy who 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 made the sex tape with Kim Kardashian, and then when Kanye got married to Kim Kardashian, Ray, uh, Ray J released a rap track called "I Hit It First. A very normal thing to do. The, not mm-hmm. not not desperate and gross and 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 terrifying at all. And it. It's not something that we already know. Yeah. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. He's That's like, why she's famous. Well, and he's it, the whole point of it is that he's trying to say that he's the one that made her famous, but no one fucking knows who Ray J is anymore, and everyone knows who Kim Kardashian is, so clearly that it's not fucking true, my guy. Only kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh well anyway, this I is have good. I'm something glad- uh Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, this was good. I'm glad we did this episode. It's nice to have just like this summation. Yeah, and it definitely helps if, you know, you've been listening to this over the last year and a half. And uh, (laughs) like a lot of the details probably fall by the wayside. But I want to do something a little different here. So I collected everyone. If you can can drop this in recording text. I want to uh, have the group vote on which was the best episode art of the season so far. Uh, Fine, Matt. Because... We'll suck you off, I guess. 
for the record, though, I haven't made the one for the finale episode yet. So people listening in the future, that's why that that one is not in the running. And I, I took out the one that's just Chris's face with Sundere just posted on about, <laughs> on top of it. In but that was colors. the good one. <laughs> well, it's not related to Zeno Saga, so... <laughs> I'm going to like abstain from voting because uh, I have my favorite already. Ghost 2006 by a fucking mile. <laughs> I still oh think Wow Hot Robot is up there for me. <laughs> yeah, Wow Hot Robot is extremely good as well. Um, uh, I also, for, you know, for co-host chemistry and camaraderie reasons, I also do love Avoid the Noid. That one, I like, that could go on a t-shirt. That one looks real yeah. good. Yeah. I want honestly. you to know that I went through an entire one of these recordings without saying that word once. You're welcome. It's true. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think it's, on the first page, the three on the left-hand side are my favorites. Wow, hot robot. He literally nutted at me and then started working on his gynoid and Ghost 2006. Those are my top three. The Bofa joke is very good, but it's not a good cover. <laughs> that one... For qualities of cover, it has to be avoid the noid or ghost. Yeah. My favorite is Bofa because that one took the most effort to do and it, and it turned out way better than I thought it would. Because I had to like clip out Sellers and Joachim and like flip them on the page because they were in the wrong order. And then had getting that zoom in right and the right frame so that it's just the gun out. Uh, yeah. That took a lot of time. <laughs> Also, the idea of of him getting shot in the nuts instead of shot in the knee is extremely funny to me still. Oh, well, both of I you was, forgot it's gonna... the spine. He got shot in the spine. Yeah, I was going to say oh, uh, his right. I, like he was aiming at his knees. Uh. That's why he can't walk. He was shot through the spine. <laughs> both of <laughs> knees. <laughs> <laughs> got spinal tapped, you could say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so Who's I think the winner double tapped. I, I think the winner is Wow Hot Robot by two to one. Yay! Although we did have kind of like two go two ghost votes, which I was surprised by. Uh, but that one turned out also very very good. <laughs> yeah, I've been having a lot of fun putting these together. Although sometimes it just it's late, you know. The episode's about to come out. I have to think of something. So a couple of these I kind of phoned in like. The, the bad dragon one was just kind of a, I need something. Someone mm-hmm. said the thing looks like a butt plug. Might as well go with that. Here's the difference between you yeah, and I said that shit post art. It's you will spend actual time on Photoshop and I will go, you know, what would be funny if I just tried to pass off a screenshot from pop team Epic as the cast of flip flappers and no one will ever <laughs> yeah. catch this joke. <laughs> they probably wouldn't. I, I don't think anyone fair, has. I, I don't even have Photoshop. All of these were done with like Microsoft Paint and like maybe removing backgrounds with uh, PowerPoint. Like I didn't even have with like a PowerPoint. Photoshop, yeah, because <laughs> I didn't have another good like remove background uh, thing, and that was the one I got used to using at my there old job. Online photo editors, buddy, they suck though. Like I've I've tried those. I've had to use those since I moved. Worse than Mac. PowerPoint. Yeah, actually, the only thing that's annoying about the PowerPoint one is that it gets very fuzzy at the edges, no matter what you you have actually upset me with that PowerPoint revelation. I want you to know. (laughs) Well, now now that I downloaded paint.net, maybe that'll be easier to do. Uh, But yeah, a lot of these like 
Yeah, well, I think this might be your weirdest opinion. What? That that PowerPoint is better than image editing programs. At well, no, I didn't images. say image editing. Like the the image editing, like background removal, like free sites that I've tried to use, they've been very difficult to actually get it. To oh, even that's fucking really different from what we were saying. That is extreme. Oh, yeah, we oh. were saying. Oh no, no, like I GIMP didn't get other Photoshop stuff because I was. Or, no, no, I I don't get those things because uh, I don't pirate software a lot, and uh, it costs money. Gimp is and I free, dipshit. Oh my god. Okay, it, back to being <laughs> so your weirdest I, opinion. It's it's back to being. I was I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and then it's like, oh no, you're. It's actually you're just too lazy to even have the opinion that I thought you had, which is cool. <laughs> After this, I'm so glad I'm going to be off of LST and have to talk to you less, so I don't get to think about this less. <laughs> Deeply yeah, upset is, by this. I, <laughs> it's so funny that this is this is the line, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. this is. I am. Yeah, I'm legitimately angry canceled. at you right now. I'm legitimately angry at you. God uh, told me to get more boomer, Matt Marcus. <laughs> this is worse than being a centrist. Well, I, I had to stop using PowerPoint because my subscription lapsed and I didn't want to pay for it again. So I've been trying to do other things instead. Did and you know that PowerPoint better, gaming is a thing now where they've made a few what? games on Game yes, Pass I'm aware. that use PowerPoint as a base? One of them is Family Feud multiplayer, which fucking rocks. That's so is it like trying to do like a hypercard thing? Essentially, yeah. They're using PowerPoint as hypercard. Yeah. yeah. Mm, um, and then I like that PowerPoint games is for complete. free on Game Pass streaming. I'm staring daggers at you right now for that, Taylor. I heard that. <laughs> it's true. It's actually true. It's great. That's one of my favorite presentations of all time. Uh, well, well, this was cursed. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this is, this a, is this definitely this... the most cursed episode of this show yeah. uh, in a long time, if not ever. Uh, you, you, y'all, y'all, tur- y'all got me into the cursed side of things somehow. Uh, that's that's the uh lightning strikes thrice promise the Mm. most cursed jrpg to get you on the most cancelable show on the network which is now the premium version of pokudo stop (laughs) well i mean that's just cursed because of the the shows we watch on there actually no monster was pretty cursed come on no that's why i said the patreon no the patreon version i didn't say the patreon version was definitely more cursed well, I mean, yeah, because we did Jujutsu Kaisen. Oh, get the fuck. Get, gotta go. This episode is over. Thank you for yeah. listening. <laughs> Commercials. You. Listen to them from the last episode. Bye. <laughs> Stop recording now. <laughs> uh, see you guys for Final Fantasy VIII next season. Well, we would do commercials, but my monitor is still off. <laughs> oh, no. This is the equivalent of Chris uh, yanking the cable out of his mic to drop it. <laughs> That's right. Cut the hard line. We out. Uh, see you in two weeks. <laughs> Bye, home. And wait for tomorrow.